Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. So I wanted to follow up on my earlier announcement that I would be providing my experience with the Dental Escapers tank kit. For starters, let's review how I have this tank set up. After seeing some great tanks online, utilizing the wallstat method without filtration, and having great success, I decided to go the same route. To give credit where it is certainly due, most of the inspiration and direction came from Foo the Flowerhorn. He has provided wonderful and detailed setup and progress videos on his Wallstad tank. Almost all the plants in this tank are from Bentley Pasco, who, as you might recall, talked about plants for profit on this show. Uh, some of those plants include Bacopa, Nymphoides, Pygmy Chainsword, Rotala, Ludwigia, Helanthinum, and a few others that I'm sure that I'm failing to include in this report. Every single plant, except for one stem variety, is thriving, and the one that isn't thriving may have just gone through a little leaf melt and might bounce back. I did move a few pieces of dwarf sage from an existing tank into here, and that is also doing very well. And just like Foo the Flowerhorn, I've added snails and sparkling gouramis to this setup. I did diverge a bit and add cherry shrimp instead of ghost shrimp from my breeding for Karma tank, because why not? They're free and in good supply. The heater is an Aquion Pro 50 watt, and for lighting, I'm using two of the Dentalay LEDs. I did manage to get a hold of the second one, and I wanted to make sure I had plenty of light, but I really think that one light would have sufficed for this setup. I will say it seemed a little odd that the lights didn't come with an on and off switch, but once I realized that like all my other planted tanks, I'd be using a timer, this became a non-issue. The included corner filter is currently being used in my 5-gallon egg-slash-fry hatchery for my newly acquired Gary Lang Rainbow Fish eggs. I think as Aquarius, we tend to be innovative and find other uses for various pieces of equipment, and this included filter is no exception. So overall, I am very pleased with this tank. Well... You might be saying, that's easy to say, given that you got it for free. Well, let's say I did pay the going price online of $149 for this tank. What is a close comparable that I can find to this rimless tank? The ADA Cube Garden 45P has similar dimensions and also comes in at 10 gallons and has an online price of $109. However, the 45P is tank only. No light, no filter, no lid. I would easily put the value of those accessories at an extra 40 bucks. So that's my take on the Dental Escapers tank. It is a great tank with an awesome footprint at a retail price that provides real value. I would also highly encourage you all out there to take a shot at the Wallstad method as well. I thought the idea of dirt in a tank was madness, but this experience is turning me into a convert. So now, on to the interview. Today's date is Monday, June 11th, 2018. My guest today is Joel Christensen. Joel is an experienced fresh and saltwater aquarist with a love for big planted tanks and tiny inhabitants. Joel has a popular YouTube channel with over 14,000 subscribers under the channel name Corvus Oskin. In addition to his own original content, Joel is also a co-host on the weekly live stream Real Fish Talk. What's very interesting about Joel is that he seems to be able to do just about any project that one could think of in our hobby. From being one of the first people back in the day to explain a freshwater sump, to building a live recording studio with an amazing live edge wood table. I feel confident that I can call Joel the Bob Vila of Aquarius. So Joel, welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for making time. And, uh, you know, we had an opportunity to kind of catch up a little bit. And, um, you know, hopefully you got to know me and I'm not a complete stranger uh, talking on the other end of a, a tin can to you. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> not, yeah, yeah, not yet. And this is the first time ever in uh, Aquarius podcast history that we actually have video up as well. Uh, unfortunately, listeners, you don't get to see us, but uh, we get to see each other. So Joel's like, it, it actually, yeah. it's like tool time where I'm at, where I'm the neighbor, Wilson, and you can mm -hmm. like only see my eyes over my uh, pop filter. 
in the <laughs> in the Skype window. So that's, that's pretty good. You gotta get you gotta get a, a nicer mic one of these days, so you don't need a pop filter. Yeah, I don't even know. Maybe, I can I can maybe move it. I don't know. Let's let's give it a go for this. Uh, or or did I just scare you with the full face reveal? Oh no! Either either way, that's whatever way is better for the audio is good. All right, so so audience, let's go ahead and try. We are sans pop filter on this recording. Uh, Let me know via email or Facebook or Instagram if it sounded terrible and you heard all the S's and it sounded like Sid the Schlot was in here, you know, making all of his S sounds. (laughs) So hopefully, uh, hopefully, it's a good recording. All right, Joel. So enough about me and my rambling. So what? Uh, let's start with your your origin story. So how did you get involved in um, tropical fish keeping? Well, um, you know, I, I was a really young kid, of course, uh, as as most people have the childhood fish keeping stories. Um, you know, I'm coming up on 40 years old, so back then it was sort of the the dark ages of. Uh, you know, we we got to throw a bunch of fish in there to cycle the tank. You know, when I was a kid. And, and, uh, you know, I had goldfishes, I had turtles, uh, I had quite a few things growing up as a, as a kid, uh, which, of course, I think most 8, 9, 10-year-olds love goldfish and stuff like that. So it was a pretty pretty easy pet for my parents to just go, you know, hey, here's a thing that he can have. And, uh, you know, we had dogs and cats and all that other kind of stuff, too. But um, the only thing I ever had in my room was, um, you know, I had a goldfish bowl uh, and I almost always, you know, the, the thinking back on it and especially talking with my, my mother and whatnot, those goldfish did not fare well, you know, um, a one and a half gallon bowl with no filtration and probably pink gravel and that kind of stuff, uh, does not bode well for actually taking care of a goldfish. So it's not that out of this world. Um, it's always strange when I hear a story from somebody like I had a, I had a goldfish in this little tiny bowl for 20 years and I'm astounded because it makes no sense to me how they could survive my wife's uh, uh my wife's parents back in northern california they have that goldfish in a bowl and i think that thing is like five or six years old now it blows right. my mind um and and, I, <laughs> and either they go from like not ever changing the water for months on end to when they do do it it's like they bleach all the little glass pebbles at the bottom so any bacteria that was in there is now dead and yet this mm-hmm. thing continues to live i i it's baffling it's, it is it's mind-boggling, like, when, when people tell me that. And I'm like, you must have some kind of magical tap water or something when you, when you do water changes. Or, or if you they don't ever do water changes, I don't know. It's a mystery to me. Um, I've, I've never been able to pinpoint, like, one type of food or, uh, you know, what, what it is that people are doing to keep them alive. Sure but um, when I was a kid, one of the things that happened is, you know, they would die, and I would rename them, you know, the same name. But here's Junior... This is the third, this is the fourth, this is the fifth, you know. Um, and then I actually um, I actually acquired these turtles when I was a kid. Um, They're actually orphans, um, both of them. And both instances were orphan turtles that I had for a very long time. And as far as I know, they are still alive to this day. Um, one of them, believe it or not, escaped and got away. Um, but was, I think was later found by somebody like a half mile away or something like that. Cause it, that little box turtle had a very distinct giant dent, uh, out of its shell, um, which is why I ended up getting it when it was really little because, uh, some, uh, another family had it 
and the kid had dropped it and it was injured. So I ended up getting it to nurse it back. But oh, wow. as far as I know, they're still alive. Uh, TJ, the turtle is, uh, the, the other bigger one, um, which I, I can never remember what the varietal is. I'm always terrible at remembering varietals of things, by the way. Um, I always sound like an idiot when I'm like, uh, you know, that's the, that's the bigger one. Um, but that fish is still alive in a, uh, it's in a school classroom still. So it actually has a full display and everything and uh, somewhere up north oh, that's in, awesome. ba- in Bothell. <laughs> oh, wow. Is yeah. That, like, so that oh, turtle's like 30 years old now or something crazy. Yeah, I'm close to Bothell. Maybe I should go pay him a visit and drop him a, a little turtle treat or something. Like, good, good job, <laughs> yeah. buddy. Mm-hmm. So then uh, how, does your, how does your experience in the hobby progress beyond that? And, you know, how do you get to a right. point then where you're, you know, you're making, uh, you're, you know, you're sharing your knowledge with other people? So through my, um, you know, in my teens and my 20s and stuff like that, I uh, actually had a really good buddy who ran um, a fish store up by Northgate Mall, which I can't, I could never remember the name of it, uh, but it was the coolest fish store around. Um, it's long since been closed. It's it, it's where the target is now. So that land got bought, developed, and turned into a whole nother thing. So, uh, and the owner retired when that happened because, you know, if you if you've owned a fish store for thirty years and you get paid by developers, it's kind of like, well, <laughs> yeah. might as well take your yeah, check take and, that, take that and uh, go home. Uh, but through those years, I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, hanging around the shop with my with my buddy and just kind of messing around with those projects because it was like, Hey, here's a open door to just go, you know, deal with whatever they have. Right. You know, so they got thousands and thousands of fish that I'd never be able to afford, you know, uh, being a young chef who's not making a lot of money. Uh, it was just kind of fun to go do that with my buddy. And, and we did a lot of that stuff. And I kept, uh, at the time I kept chameleons for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, then, uh, you know, through, through the twenties, you kind of get, you know, American male where you're like, I gotta, I gotta hit the road and experience the world and stuff. And, you know, you may or may not have much care for your home, <laughs> which is, you know, sort of my life story is like, you know, we're going to hit a road trip for four weeks. Where are we going? Uh, South. Okay. Figure it out. Um, so it did a lot of stuff like that and that didn't lend itself very well to, uh, keeping aquariums and stuff like that. If you don't have a, a building to keep them in, it doesn't work very well. Um, but probably around the time I was like 28, 29, which is about 10 years ago now, uh, a friend of mine uh, had found uh, Takahashi Yamano, right? And he was like, there's all these crazy people that are keeping plants in aquariums. And I was like, I got to check this out. Because, you know, I was thinking back at the time that every once in a while, uh, back in the day, you'd see, like, somebody might have some living plant, probably, like, floating in an aquarium, like, some lobelia or something like that, just floating around. But not big displays in America. That was all happening over in Europe and Japan. And, of course, the Internet was non-functional back then, so you never really got a chance to to see any of that kind of stuff. Uh, so if you think back about 10 years ago, that's sort of like when Facebook got started. That's when YouTube got started, stuff like that. So the, the Internet was really starting to function. Um, the uh, 
bulletin boards and stuff like that were or not bulletin boards. I was <laughs> I always go back to the eighties and nineties where I'm like, bulletin boards, right? Dial up. Um, but forums were actually very popular uh back then, which people could post pictures and descriptions of what they're doing, and then it was always kind of like a back and forth QA type discussion. Um around 2010 because of my involvement with like forums and stuff i basically had you know those kind of accounts that were like hey man like we gotta see what you're working on kind of thing and um i was like well you know kind of a private guy mainly because uh you know back then i used to drink and do drugs and stuff my place was trashed it was disgusting so um that was probably the main reason why i liked to do you know, really close up for photography of the stuff I was working on because you don't have to see the stuff around it. Um, and, uh, but eventually I, they kind of like wore me down uh, around like 2012. Uh, in that, I think that was like kind of when my first YouTube video goes up. So if, if you oftentimes nowadays people will go back and watch that original video and they're like, really? Because it was shot on like the worst iPod. It was shot on an iPod. It wasn't even shot on a, camcorder or a camera or anything like it was shot on the 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 base the most basic ipod i didn't even talk in the video i just kind of walked around my trashed apartment um and showed off all the fish tanks which is really the only cool thing that i owned <laughs> was uh you know a really nice computer and a whole bunch of fish tanks well, let's talk uh, what, what did you have in your collection at that time just a lot of chaos um <laughs> i was often um, so at one point in time, I probably had like 20 of the, uh, the Fluval, uh, Ebby mm -hmm. nano tanks. I had those set up all over the place, all scaped and stuff like that. Um, then I would go and I would buy 10 gallon aquariums for really cheap. Um, and then I would stack them up and I would do experiments in them. So, you know, like I would set six of them up all under the same lighting with the same filter, uh, but I would run different substrate in every single one of them. And uh, so that was kind of one of the things that, that people were like, this guy kind of knows what he's doing. Uh, because I, I've always just had an analytical mind like that, where I'm like, well, if somebody says something is working and it's beneficial or whatnot, let's get some real world action on it and, and see what we can do to go, all right, well, that, that's verifiable in a, in a pretty easy way to look at stuff. Um, agriculture and farming has always been one of my huge um, influences in life of, uh, you know, being a chef and being somebody who's constantly sourcing food, constantly sourcing where the farm is coming from. Uh, it, it never looked like, uh, to me, something that I could do as a career to be a farmer. Um, so I was working on the service end of, all right, well, let me take the farmed food and turn it into something that people could eat. Uh, and, you know, I paid the bills for a really long time. And I always worked weekends also, like any days I had off. I was normally hanging sheetrock or, you know, working at a mechanic shop. Um, or I always had, like, two full-time jobs. So I would, like, you know, a lot of times I would uh, – you know, going to work at six in the morning, work until three o'clock, then walk to my other job where I was a chef, right? 
and, and, so, and then I'd work until midnight. And so to set know. the to set the context again, so uh, you know, a decade ago, this is when you know there. When did YouTube really come around? Like, when did that as a platform did it launch? Within... YouTube launched around 2008, okay. but it, it's not the thing that it right, is now. Right, right. So I guess what I'm what I'm getting at for everybody listening to this is that you know you're doing these things, and we have to have the context that there aren't hours and hours and terabytes on top of terabytes worth of information out there in the form of videos that people have already done right i think we're right. we're now at the point where if somebody's if somebody's made a video on some particular subject like it's it's probably been done a couple different times and i think that's why there's some challenges where you really have to dig deep to be original in terms of your content but you're doing these things you're running these experiments because all you really have is forum information maybe there's some old dusty library books that you can go look up but it's mm -hmm. it's still kind of on the frontier right like i just right. i just set up a 10 gallon um uh wallstad you know system tank dirty a dirty tank mm -hmm. Uh, for the first time, and that's I, a wall. That's a wall stand. Yeah, tank. I'm, I'm, do not call it a dirt tank. <laughs> Fair enough. It very, it very much bothers me that that people have coined the dirt tank when it is the wallstad method. It's been it, it was so documented before that, um, and a lot of people have have taken her work mm -hmm. and run with it and been like, oh look what I can do, and it's like, well, look what you're doing that someone else did that you read their book and then now you're saying. Yeah, so I'll push, yeah. I'll push that narrative for you. The Wallstad Method, I actually want to get her book. It's in the library uh, for the GSAS, so I've got a request to get that actually tomorrow, hopefully uh, at the uh, at the Gary Lang meeting. Obviously, this is awesome. going to drop. This is going to drop way after that, but nonetheless, I'm going to I want to pick that book up. So the Wallstad Method and what I'm getting at is that I basically learned it all from a, from another guy that did the Wallstead mm -hmm. method. He actually did give her credit for it. Said, "Hey, go buy her book. Everything is in there." Uh, but he set it up, and I'm and I'm kind of copying him. So you know, you were doing things mm -hmm. before all of those videos are there, and you're being the one that's putting forth money and time and effort um, to either fail or succeed. So um, you know, on behalf of other people that uh, don't do the experimentation, not that I don't want to. It's just you know, thank you for already doing that stuff and sharing that knowledge um, in your video. So right, right. You know, it, it's one of those things. Like I don't, um, you know, if you think, if you, you know, if I think back, I'm like, well, I'm about to say, if you think back, um, but if I think back, you know, at the time that, you know, it's like eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, or something like that, which seems like a million years ago to me. I, I mean, I, I don't know how it feels to other people, but eight and a half years ago, I was a much different person. Uh, but it feels like a million years ago to me. And at, at the time, you know, there was just forums and stuff like that. Um, you know, if you went onto YouTube and somebody had uh, 5,000 subscribers or something, that would be equal to somebody having 5 million now. You'd be like, oh, wow, you know, that's crazy. Um, and, you know, at the time, also, people weren't getting paid, you know, for YouTube. Like, there, there was no monetization there. There was zero of that there. Um, so that was also one of the things, too, is that most of the people that were doing it was kind of like, I don't really know why. Are you selling me a shirt or what's what's the end game here? And honestly, um, I was operating a lot of those experiments because there wasn't really anybody out there that you could that was an expert that you could verify that like whatever they were doing was legitimate um you know nowadays you could easily look up and go like is 
you know, uh, somebody I met recently, George Farmer. And if you go like, well, let me look up some of George Farmer's stuff, right? And you'd be like, oh, well, that definitely stands the test of time. This guy's been doing it for 10 years. Uh, you know, he has customer reviews, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of verification that the things that he's doing is, is legit. Um, back then, it was always just kind of like, well, I heard a thing from a guy. Uh, hmm. Let me check this out. Let me see what's going on. And then, yeah. you know, in America. Now, see, I think, honestly, if you were in Japan, there were stores that you could go to. There were places that you could go to 10 years ago. Whereas in America, you know, if you go to Petco, PetSmart, whatever big box <laughs> store, yeah. you'd be like, well, I'm kind of interested in planted aquariums. It's kind of what I want to do. And the, uh, most of the people would look at you like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Know, um, yeah. So on that on that point, I wanted to say that uh, one, we should all carry some type of like brochure pamphlet in our pockets. Um, I'm very big on trying to grow this hobby, doing whatever little thing I can to encourage people to share the hobby with people that don't keep fish tanks. But um, mm -hmm. a Takashi Amano miniature pamphlet, like we should all keep those in our back pockets. Those are walking around or just meeting new random people. Hey, look at this really, really cool tank. Wouldn't you like to have one of these in your, in your front room? Yeah. Your viewers can't see it, but here's a perfect example of what you should carry with you. Oh, there you go. Um, this is uh, Stefan Hummel and Chris Lukup's newest uh, aquarium guide. Oh, awesome. And it has, you know, it's like full color, explains fish, where they're collecting the plants from, images of plants, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because I'm not this. I'm, I'm trying to get a bunch of these so I can just start like leaving them at the bus terminal, yeah, you know, or you whatever. Go. You know, what I mean, like I'm just gonna like leave it. this around and maybe some people will find them. There you, you go. Know. I like it. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, I'm going know. grassroots punk rock style, throwing yeah. zines out on the <laughs> ground, and then maybe somebody will pick it up and change hey. their life. <laughs> hey, that's, that, we we just gotta grow the hobby one person at a time. Uh, right. I, I mean, we we've got to like we're progressing, right? Like we're progressing as uh, as a country and what we keep in our tanks and you know i'm not knocking the rainbow gravel with the clam that opens up with the air bubbles and the fake plants like mm -hmm. i think you i think you have to progress but um it would be a shame if somebody got out of the hobby or if somebody never got into the hobby knowing right. now how accessible and how relatively easier it is to have like a nature and a nature aquarium right i mean mm -hmm. there's just so many awesome possibilities with fish tanks that you know between now and 10 years ago i mean it's it's so vastly different um right. in terms of the information and just what you can learn about you know growing yourself as an aquarist yeah i, I typically refer to those as the spongebob square pants aquarium <laughs> um nothing wrong with spongebob square pants and there's nothing wrong with that decor if that's something that you want to go yep. for yep. um you know it being 2018 you can definitely run that tank and have it be a very beneficial uh system if you are properly filtrate if you're using proper filtration um so that, that's something that anybody could do if they really wanted to you just want to make sure that you're filtering the aquarium properly in order to keep the inhabitants healthy. Because that, that really is what it comes down to um, when you get down all the way down to the brass tacks. It's like, yeah. yes, I want to keep my fish healthy. Uh, you know, They don't have an option to go somewhere else if you're not providing them with a good environment. Um, and you can do that with plastic plants and, and that yeah. kind of stuff. You just want to make sure you have proper filtration for them. That's, yeah. that's the big deal. Yeah. Um, growing plants for me is the combination of the two uh, because not only are you bringing such a positive aesthetic um, to your aquarium, uh, you're also bringing the ecosystem side of it, which is the thing that fascinates me to no end is, um, you know, being able to maintain an ecosystem 
that is this small. It's just this tiny. And oftentimes people are like, well, you have such huge aquariums. Like it's got to be like the easiest thing in the world. And uh, well, not not particularly. A 300-gallon system is basically, you know, operating on a on a on the head of a needle, basically, compared to the environment that they all come from. Uh, you know, if you're talking about 300 gallons versus 400 million gallons, where they where like the where fish could come from easily, uh, it's tiny. It's microscopic. So. That, that's the thing that really gets me going is like, how am I going to build an ecosystem that is so much smaller than where all this stuff comes from and keep it healthy? Yeah, so that sounds like you, you, it, it, your passion to do big, big aquariums for tiny inhabitants is rooted in this. I want to give these inhabitants the best life possible under my care, right? Understanding yeah. that, you know, the scale, which like you said, I mean, the scale of your aquarium, even at 300 gallons is minuscule compared to um, what they're actually coming from in the wild. But I, I guess, you know, coming from having the, the Fluval EBs and the 10 gallons, like how did you get to that point where, where you came to that, that realization that that's what you wanted to do with big tanks? Well, I basically started out <laughs> to explain it, this is part of my character. Um, I want to start at the hardest way possible. Um, you know, like if, if I have a band, I, I want to play, um, uh, you know, I want to play the garden, the first show we play. You know what I mean? Like I want to I sell out the garden. Um, you know, so I started out doing the smallest nano tanks that I possibly could with things like King Kong shrimp and stuff. When I, when I did get back into it, um, it was like, okay, I could get some cherry shrimp, but let me get some King Kong shrimp. They're a hundred dollars a piece. Let me figure out how to do that. And I'll do the easy ones later. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll stress out right now and lose my <laughs> mind and, 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 and try to figure out exactly how to keep, uh, you know, King Kong shrimp alive in a three gallon aquarium that I got, uh, you know, but but of course, the three gallon aquarium I got I got off of Craigslist because I'm a total cheapskate when it comes to that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I got it used. I cleaned it. Uh, you know, it's, I resealed it with silicone. It's all ready to go. It's been dried and I clamped it in place for a week and it's perfect. And now I'm going to go buy a hundred dollar shrimp and yeah. put them in there. My wife's uh, crying at that. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a weirdo like that. Like I, I, I want the highest hurdle right out the yeah. gate. Um so I did start out with those. And then uh, on top of it, you know, I did start out with just a couple of those. And I was kind of doing pretty crazy projects uh, within that space. Um, and then, you know, if, if you think of the amount of living space that I had was quite small. So as things expanded, as things grew, uh, you know, I needed, you know, I needed more tanks for um, you know, like calling shrimp, like, oh, I've got to take these out, put them into another tank because they're just, they're not meeting the grade. Uh, as plants grow out, it's like, well, hmm, now I've got this thing all grown in. I guess I got to get another tank. So I just, it just snowballed uh, from there and it would just, keep, it just kept going and going and going. And um, but it's eventually, it's eventually I moved out of that place. But it's snowballing because you're successful, right? Like you are, you are successfully breeding and keeping shrimp. You're successful at propagating plants. And so you had to expand the number of tanks or the size of the tanks uh, because mm. of your, your successful operation. It's not because you're killing everything and you're just buying more stuff, right? 
Yeah, that's 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 definitely the weird part of it. Is that like, well, things just uh, kind of keep working out pretty well. So I guess I'll just keep going. Um, and you know, the the fortunate sign of it is is that I, you know I'm the kind of person that if you give me a book, uh, well. It'd be hard to say these days just because how busy I am. But um, in, in the past, if you gave me a book, I would just stay up all night and read it um, and then go to work the next day and just be like, well, I guess I didn't sleep. Um, but I'm, I'm the kind of person that can't really go to sleep without the answers or without the questions of the day answered. Right. Uh, it won't bother me. It, it will seriously bother me. And it, as a matter of fact, the other night I, I couldn't go to sleep for like an hour and a half because I was. It, something really trivial was bothering me. Eventually, I got up and was like, "All right, I'm gonna figure this out." And then I went back and fell right asleep. So, how tall um, is Jet Li? Was that the question? Yeah, how, how old is Jet Li? <laughs> um, Damn it! I need to know. No, it. Uh, no, you, no, no. Keep going. You're good. You're good. You don't have to go back on the question. It's, it's really stupid, but I was trying to figure out the meditative practice. If uh, if you felt like your eyes were swollen, it's really kind wow. of stupid. Oh. It's bizarre and stupid, but it, good, like good time, uh, man. different strokes for different folks. It's all it's good. It's weird. Yeah. No, it's all yeah. good, man. You know, I'm I'm the kind of person that's like, we'll have a day, right? We'll just like Vicky and I will go out. We'll have a great day. And so, and we'll like, uh, we'll go walking through the park or something. Um, and then, you know, we'll be like looking at some grass or something, you know, and I'll be like, oh, wow, this is actually a really nice type of grass. I can't, I really enjoy this. Blah, blah, blah. This is really cool. I, but I don't know what kind it is. And I'll be like, oh, don't worry about it. Not a big deal. But by the time we get all the way home and it's, nighttime or whatever she'll come find me i'll be on my computer i'll be researching what type of grass that is because it will bother me to no end <laughs> you know um and you know she's she thinks i'm crazy in a good way and it and it's fine but um you know she harasses me a little bit because she's like you just never stop working like go do something else and um you know I, i'm I started watching um, Jerry Seinfeld's uh, Comedians with Coffee and Cars, uh, or Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, mm -hmm. uh, the other day. And she's like, well, now you've got it playing on your phone all the time. Because I'm like, yeah, I need to have heard all the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's like, as I'm going around working, I'm listening to Jerry Seinfeld's, yeah. you know, Jerry Seinfeld's show. I'm like, yeah, I need to have heard them all. And they have them on YouTube, so I'm just... They might illegally be up there, but I don't know. Whatever. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna have listened to all of them. Uh, but that's just that's just the kind of person I. You know, 99% of the time I'm that way. Sometimes there's things I just don't care about, but yeah, you I know, could tell you what you they know, are. It's, it, it's all good. I mean, we're you know, it's it's different strokes for different folks. I think you know the different the what makes us all different as human beings uh, kind of manifests itself in how we keep our aquariums. So. You know, mm -hmm. it, I, I think how we keep fish in fish tanks is maybe it's a little bit of a reflection of who we are. But at the same time, like you are also I didn't even drop the fact that you're an artist, right? Like Dark Dark Star, correct? Dark Star Arts. Mm -hmm. We'll make sure yeah. that there's a link in that to the show notes as well on top of your YouTube channel and all that good stuff. But you you come up with some like awesome artwork. So, you know, my our personality is like we don't think on the same wavelength and it's not a bad thing at all. It's just we're different people. Like my my, my brain is wired in a different way. Yours is wired in a different way. If we were all wired like me, uh, we wouldn't have art because I'm terrible at, at like my creativity in an art capacity is garbage. So 
hey man it's all good you do you and uh, we'll all do each other in our own respective ways that came out really right. funny but yeah it's gets a little weird <laughs> all right uh, but yeah you know what I, I, mean. uh, I do a lot of fine art um painting and music and stuff like that um you know i, I definitely got out of music uh because it's it's uh to be really honest it's not really like a culture that i want to be around um and uh so i I kind of got out of that. There's some stuff that I still kind of just fiddle around with, you know, just making uh, simple melodies and stuff like that. But uh, the, the, a lot of the fine art that I do is, is a, is a pretty big outlet. Um, and it, it's, it's a great way to, to practice concentration, you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, I could spend my time in my meditative practice or I could spend my time painting, which is very similar affect to me. Um, so I, I, I do quite a bit of uh, painting and stuff like that. And it's all mo nowadays I, I pretty much am just doing commission stuff because uh, I'm just pretty busy. You know, I'm honestly just like really busy. And if I just sit down and kind of goof off paint for fun, it, it, it you know, and it also doesn't feel that great to me if I'm just like kind of messing around, you know. Do you, um, do you feel like the two for you, like your, your artwork and then your aquariums, uh, do you ever draw inspiration from your aquariums in your artwork aside from just like, because in the background I see you've got a, was that a Neo or a, or a Caradina in the background on one of your, your pieces? Yeah. Um, yeah. So aside from yeah, like a, a crystal shrimp back yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. So like aside from like the crystal shrimp where it's just like, like kind of the crystal shrimp and I don't know the, the artistic term for it where it's just kind of floating in the center of the picture and it looks, or the frame looks really awesome. But do you ever draw any... Uh, additional inspiration from your tanks and your setups when you when you create artwork yeah yeah i do um and i actually kind of detailed that in one of my uh live shows a little recently maybe just a couple weeks ago because i i was i actually went out on a um we went out on a little camping trip and i did a lot of photography while i was out there so i brought some uh of the photography elements um onto the show so I could kind of show people what it is to kind of look at here's you know it's like here's these trees here here's the river going this way here's the rocks kind of making this formation and showing the composition of uh you know the composition of of photography is pretty much the same as painting which is also the influence to setting up for instance an aquascape if you're going to aquascape something and you want it to look natural you want it to have a flow to it and it's essentially learning the rule of thirds. And oftentimes people talk about the rule of thirds and that almost always comes up when people are talking about aquascaping. Um, but the easy way to explain it is in when I kind of talk to people that are like, I don't, I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense. You can actually show them a picture and go, see this area, this area, and this area. You go, okay. Um, and oftentimes it's sort of the other way that, the painting and photography normally goes towards my aquascapes um, because it, it's, it almost always gives me a like, okay, this is wrong. And, and then I go, wait a minute, there's something weird about um, that 150 that's a parallel to what I just worked on just now, uh, whether it be like a, a picture or a painting or, you know, graphic design, whatever, I'm, whatever I'm working on. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's why that corner of the aquarium looks super weird because this needs to shift and I need to move a rock or, or whatever. So it doesn't necessarily come from the fish room into uh, my art studio. 
it normally goes the other direction. Mm. It goes from the paintings into there, and then I go, oh, yeah, okay, this needs to move. We're going to bring some sand in here, maybe put some little rocks and and bring some other plants in and stuff like that. So No, that, that's cool. And I guess for, for somebody that – um, I, I realize and I, and, I, and I accept this that I love the way the, the nature aquariums work, uh, but at the same time, like I just don't have, again, my brain's not wired, I guess, to create that unless I was to try to verbatim create um, what I see exactly in, in like a, you know, an aquarium book or video that's telling me exactly which plants and which rock and which way to position it. Um, but, <laughs> right. I mean, how much, yeah. how much trial and error have you gone through throughout your, your aquarist career to kind of get to the point where you are now? And, and, and I'm sure, you know, not to give you any like, you know, um, false sense of, you know, you can't improve from here because I'm sure we can all improve from wherever we are in our, in, in our, in our walks in life. Um, but I mean, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I just got back from inner zoo and, uh, if nobody knows what inner zoo is, it's, it's one of the biggest, uh, conventions. Um, it's a pet, it's a, it's overall like a pet convention, but mm -hmm. every aquarium manufacturer, almost every aquascaper is there. Like I hung out with Oliver Knott, mm -hmm. um, and those, those types of guys, they're all there and they all have, uh, pretty magnificent setups that, um, are completely different than what you would see like at an American convention because, they've put really the time into setting them up. Mm -hmm. so, um, most of them are grown in six months, right? So from that, I'd like, how do I get where I'm at now? It's just failing over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I've probably, like, I've worked at some stores. Um, I've set up a lot of uh, tanks in people's houses, stuff like that. Um, and to really quantify like how many aquariums I've set up, I, I have no idea, but it is a lot. Um, and like I was mentioning earlier, like one of the things that I used to do is like, I, I would get a hold of a plant and I would set up a lot of aquariums just to grow that one plant, you know? So I had essentially source one source of, um, like penitophyta or something, right? Make sure that it came from the same place and it was essentially the same batch, same growth. You know, obviously I'm not doing the genetic breakdown to find out if they are exact or not, uh, but receive them at the same time from the same place and then try to grow them all in six or seven or 10 different tanks and go, okay, you know, here's the substrate that works really well. Here's the water condition that actually works really well. Um, you know, and I'm just throwing numbers out here. I'm not citing this is what you should or shouldn't do. But for instance, like, oh, 5.8 pH is working awesome versus 6.8. Um, this one has CO2 immersion at X, Y, and Z, right? And basically break those all down and then work on the light spectrum stuff. Um, you know, if you kind of go back 10 years ago, uh, it was pretty easy uh, in Western Washington. Now, the rest of the rest of the world, it probably wasn't as easy as it is in Western Washington because of all of the uh, and I say air quote tomato farmers um, that are, are in Western Washington to be able to acquire um, pretty cheap grow lights uh t5s and stuff like that hit the market here super quick as so, soon as they were available so it's like you, so hydroponics for uh, our listeners that haven't caught on to right. that yet <laughs> yeah i say i say the air quote tomato plants because they got the tomato plants oh, yeah. growing in the basement oh yeah <laughs> um, it was pretty 
readily available um, for for those reasons. Uh, the hydroponic stores and stuff like that existed here, so uh, there was a lot of stuff that you could, and you still can. You know, you still can here um, get your hands on fertilizers, lights, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I would just work through it. I would just work through it and go like, okay, you know, here's our water. Um, so that's my baseline. And then just start tracking like what I'm doing with each tank. Typically, I would uh, just keep track with like a, a, a whiteboard marker, stuff like that, or a Sharpie, and then scrape it off of the razor blade later. Um, but I would always just keep track of what was going on, like what my temperature is, all that kind of stuff. And then it just got more and more successful um, because I would start to learn, okay, this is what I need to avoid with this. This is what I need to learn to avoid with that. Um, and essentially what I was doing is just figuring out the biotopes that weren't listed at the time. So at, at the time, I basically would have to go, okay, what plants are available to me, right? So, you know, one of the big things that I used to do is I would go online and find the published papers from colleges and stuff like that. That's one of the few things that has always been on the internet. That was like one of the first things that became available on the internet was most thesis papers and research papers and stuff like that. Because, um, you know, the doctors and scientists and stuff, they're like, well, I, this never got published. I'm, I'm going to publish it. I'm a super smart guy. I have a computer. I'm going to put it up online and maybe somebody will read it. Um, so that stuff was available. But if you would look into the biotope, it's like, you know, you'd look through a research paper, you'd find a bunch of plants that would exist, okay, within this area that they went into Amazon. But you could only find one of them available to purchase, you know. So it was like, well, I don't have an importer's license, so I'm going to have to go about this the hard way by essentially just screwing it up and then going, okay, well, where's the middle ground for everything that I want to be together? So, uh and and here's one of the funny things like we've been patting me on the back so much that it so one of the things that i can i can hardly ever remember is if you hold the plant up in front of me i know what it is but i can't tell you what the name is very well very often <laughs> you know i'd be like well, that's a newbius yeah, i gotta hold on a minute i gotta think about this for a second you know and then of course like there's a lot of people that I'm around I'm like, man, this guy's a bozo, you know, <laughs> like, like, and I'm just like, eh, you know, everybody has their Achilles heel and stuff, but, um, uh, that's one of mine. And, uh, it's always hilarious because people are just like, man, who is this dude? He's kind of dumb. Dude, those, like, those names yeah, are a challenge, man. Those, those, uh, those scientific names are a challenge for plants and animals. So right, you're not, right. you are not alone, my friend. But the funny thing is, is that in my head, I can, I know the grouping of that plant. So I know like eight other plants that will go with that. I know that where the pH needs to be set at. I know um, whether dosing like the EI method or something liquid or whether it needs, you know, root tabs in the substrate. Um, and a lot of that stuff I've, I've certainly tried out. Um, and I know the grouping in my head. So it's, it's kind of second nature to me now. And one of the big issues is that when I learned that stuff, I was never communicating it with anyone else. It was almost always, I'm kind of just sitting here by myself doing research. No one else is interested in it. Um, though one of the parallels at the time, my, my spouse, partner, whatever you want to call her at the time, 
was a geologist. So we had a parallel as far as like substrates and soils and rocks and stuff like that. But when it came down to doing plants, it's like no one else was into having any kind of dialogue, which was awesome for me in a way. But when it came to going like, oh, wait a minute, I can go on the Internet. I can find 300 people like me that want to have a conversation today about what's going on with their Anubias, right? Um, and so that, that's, that was my big draw to start, you know, opening up and going like, well, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a great idea to just be kind of hidden in a cave somewhere working on my projects and never getting them out to anybody. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that like YouTube, the internet and all that kind of stuff was sort of the big way to start doing that. Um, the, the early websites and things that I had were like, they were like chat, they were like, they have have like live chat with forums, um, which honestly at the time I was way behind the curve. Um, at the time I really should have invested my time in, in doing YouTube and stuff like that. Um, but at the time it was like, well, forums were the best thing. So everyone was always just kind of battling to do forums. Um, and there weren't that many people that were like making videos or instructional videos. They're just back then there really wasn't. Um, and that's really where I should have been putting my, my energy into, but I thought YouTube was just a goof off time. So you, you can even go back and find some of my old videos and they're just a mess. You know, it's just like, <laughs> like it's, you know, there's, there's hardly any, I'm going to teach you something or anything like that. And, you know, so I fully admit I was behind the times on that. Um, but realistically, if I was to give advice to somebody, it would be to, take that scientific approach and go, I'm either going to accept someone else's findings or I'm going to test someone else's findings. Um, and you could do that on a much smaller scale. If you go, um, hold on, let me, let me just flip through the guide here real quick and find one. So if you go hygrophilia corimbosa, uh, uh, corim, right? And then you go, okay, the pH is between 5 and 8, right? Temperature, 22 Celsius to 28. Uh, needs high light, and it grows very fast, right? So you could go just from those basic um, numbers right there. That you could go, okay, I'm going to get some hydrophilia myself, and I'm going to test out what exactly that is. It's like, okay, is that is that accurate, or is it is it hooey, or is my water so vastly different from where that plant comes from? What am I going to have to do to adapt it and not be discouraged when either a plant doesn't grow as well as you want or it dies off or something like that, or it's going through an adaptation period. I know a lot of people that, you know, they get a plant, it melts off and they're like, well, it's dead. I'm going to, I'll dig its roots out and throw it away. And it's like, what you you threw away a plant that's not dead. You know, you, threw, you yeah. threw it away. You got to be patient and you got to keep working on that kind of stuff. So um, to most people out there, I would go, uh, and this, this is kind of the advice I give to most people that are like, you know, hey, I'm 18. I live in Oklahoma. We don't really have any of that stuff that you got going on. I'm like, okay, first of all, you could order some of the stuff, but I wouldn't necessarily throw a whole bunch of money at ordering something that you might not be ready to get. Um, so typically my advice for that kind of person that's like trying to get into it, I'm like, pay attention for the dollar a gallon sale. 
And then you're going to go to one of those big box stores and you're going to get like two aquariums for like 40 bucks plus whatever the tax is or whatever. And you get those set up, get your filtration going, start to learn about the filtration. So you get your test kit. Um, you're going to be doing, uh, do them side by side, right? Do one where you're dropping in one drop of ammonia a day and you're testing the water and you're testing the water of the other one and check what the differences are as time goes on. Then that's how you're going to start to learn the cycle, right? And more often than not, people are like, wow, this is just like a whole bunch of work. And I go, it's a whole bunch of work to us because you never learned it when you were a kid. If I asked you to recite the ABCs, you just go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, right? Because it's a song when you learned when you were a kid. Oftentimes, this stuff is taught in other cultures when children are really young. You know, uh, they're introduced to these ideas. If you go to Japan, um, you know, koi, like koi breeding and stuff like that is just a part of the culture. So it would be weird that a kid that's like 10 has no idea about bacteria and how to keep the koi healthy and stuff like that, because it's very common that that would be introduced at a very young age. Whereas in, in America, it's a little bit different. That stuff starts to get introduced when you're like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. And it's kind of the first thing you've heard about it. You know, it's like, let's talk about mitochondria, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so that's the recommendation I would normally give to people is like, kind of take that sort of childish step that I took and you go, it's just going to take some time to start to really learn and this become natural to you. Um, and nowadays like people look at what I'm doing and they're like, well, there's no way I could ever do what that guy's doing because you look at him, he's just doing it. Like he's got a green thumb, like he just puts stuff in there and it just grows. Um, and no one ever gets to see really the defeat and the failures and all that kind of stuff because it's, it's very difficult to promote, hey, look at me, I screwed something up. Um, although I do try to do more of that now if I do have a failure. Like um, uh, one recently was like my CO2 tank. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't seat the seal properly. And so I just lost 20 pounds of CO2 in like two days because <laughs> the seal expanded and contracted as it got cold because the CO2 was leaking out of it and it just exacerbates the problem and it just keeps leaking and leaking. And of course I wasn't out in my fish room. So it's like, yeah, yeah, there's a empty tank. So do we need a, uh, like an Instagram account for failures of fish keeping just as kind of a, a grounding point for us aquarists that when we do have some setbacks in the hobby that, we need to keep going, right? And you just, you, you, not that we want to see dead pictures of fish or anything, because the, you know, people do post that up there so others can learn. But, uh, like, hey, I just had an explosion of hairy algae. I'm going to post up a picture, right? Because it's, it's again, it's, it's the whole thing with social media where we only project the positive of life and we don't ever show, you know, the up, the, the downs of life, right? And so maybe for fish keepers, right. somebody out there needs to create that Instagram account. Well, I'll follow it. So every time somebody has, you know, a bad, uh, a bad thing happen to them, they can post it, share with other people, let them know that, you know, this kind of crap happens, you know, hair algae, it happens. Um, don't well, I've, I've been seeing, I've been seeing more and more of it actually hitting, um, actually hitting social media and stuff like that. And I, I think realistically that boils down to, it's part of the clickbait culture that we have. Um, and, but honestly, I, I kind of see it as sort of a positive of the clickbait culture that we have. It's like, 
Well, at least people are being exposed more to the failures now instead of just the Super Bowl, yeah. right? Yep. Um, and, you know, the, one of the reasons I bring up the Super Bowl is is that, you know, you watch a football game, you know, like you watch Seahawks, and we just watch the end product, right, where these guys are really good at playing football. And it's like, yeah, well, that guy started playing when he was six, and then he played high school four years, played college four years, and then now he's 26 years old, and, you know, every single day getting up and eating right and lifting weights and running drills and da, 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 da. I think it's, it's the same thing. If, um, if, if you wanted to get into the hobby, obviously there's different degrees. Like you could definitely be totally laid back, totally chill about it. Um, as long as you kind of learn the basics pretty well, which would be like how to cycle a tank and how to maintain and do your water changes and, and, uh, you know, make sure your fish are healthy if you have to treat something. Uh, you can be totally laid back about it, and especially even with plants. There are a ton of plants out there that are completely laid back that you don't ever have to do anything to. You're just like, I'm going to put them in there and I might trim them three years from now. You know, um, I pulled some bulbitis out of this guy's tank once that he said it started out about, um, what's he saying? He said it was about the size of a 50 cent piece or a silver dollar. Um, and it was, a what was it? It was a 140 gallon aquarium that was completely filled with it. <laughs> he'd never, he'd never trimmed it, wow. never mo moved it. It just slowly grew all around and all around and all around and all around. And he was like, was I supposed to do something with it? And I was like, this is so impressive. No, this is exactly what you do. You just let it like, it's insane. You know, um, the amount of patience that it would take for somebody like me to do that is impossible. But that guy he had a great experience with his tank. He just never did anything, really. He just did water changes on the weekend, and his fish are swimming around in there, and this plant just grew forever. So, um, so Joel, you've done you've done a fantastic job of, of kind of explaining, you know, just how it is you got to where you are in your hobby as far as, um, you know, being able to keep uh, the the uh, inhabitants healthy, whether they're plants or animals. Um, l let's talk the Bob Vila side of things. Uh, <laughs> how the heck did you get so good at all of these like tasks and projects, whether it's cutting acrylic, um, you know, making a live uh, edge wood table, like where does that come from? Because all you've said so far is that you've, um, you've, you've been a chef and, you know, if there's any chance I can have any of the food that you would be willing to produce, I would love to eat because food is my addiction, um, yeah. beside the fish tank, of course. Uh, <laughs> and, and then the second, uh, the second job that you've kind of alluded to is that you've worked in some pet stores, right? So where does all this handyman uh, Oh, no, I just worked from? in pet stores for free. <laughs> oh, okay. Volunteer. There yeah. you go. Volunteer work. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that was kind of blessed to have grown up in, in what I would consider a, a blue-collar family. You know, my dad was a janitor. Uh, he was a former flight mechanic in the Navy and a, Navy, and a mechanic for Ford. Um, so... Um, and my mom was a ER charge nurse uh, forever. So, you know, I was pretty blessed to, to, to grow up in a family, uh, regardless of some of, you know, the shortcomings of certain things. Uh, I, so I, I guess, what's the best way to explain it? So some of the shortcomings of my father are kind of irrelevant to most people in the fact that, um, he did bring a lot to the table. So, uh, he's a very adept guy. Um, uh, and he knows how to do a lot. And, uh, he 
would basically he basically taught me a lot and my mother is also very adept um she currently uh has a different husband but they remodel and flip houses while she still works at the hospital and he also has a job <laughs> you know um remodeling houses he's a vp of a big remodeling company so it's um it's one of those things like I, i'm pretty blessed to have two parents that were um, not only really talented, but intelligent and very motivated too. So I, I didn't have a childhood where uh, I, I was not busy. And I, I was one of those kids that, you know, my mom tells a story that um, I was, uh, you know, I was one and a half years old. We moved into a brand new house and um, my mom didn't know where I was at. She came to find me and uh, I had broken the bathtub. And and by that, I don't mean I broke one of the fixtures. I mean, I broke the porcelain of the bathtub, a brand new bathtub. Uh, I had climbed up on top of the toilet to get into the sink so that I could wash my hands. And I kicked the top of the toilet off into the bathtub oh, and broke no. the bathtub. And, and by the way, this is a two-week-old house, wow. brand new house. Um, well, my mom was trying to figure out where I was once when I was three Turns out I was in the backyard. I had started a campfire and was out there playing trucks. And uh, my mom freaked out. Why? How did you have a fire out here? I was three. And my response was, well, I was cold and I wanted to keep playing. <laughs> so um, they knew from a very young age that it was like, we have got to keep this guy occupied or that, it's just chaos. Funnel that energy into something. Yeah, so... You know, as I was growing up, my, my parents did everything they could to occupy my time. So it was like, you know, oh, we've, he's got an hour on Tuesday and Thursday. We've got to put him in Latin class or something, you know. Um, okay, he's got soccer. He's going to do this. Okay, wait, there's nothing on Sunday. So he's doing rock climbing. Okay, we're going to do this. Um, you know, there's nothing going on on Wednesday night. Okay, send him out. He's got to go water skiing. You know what I mean? So, um I was always occupied. I always had something to do. I was always experiencing whatever I could. Um, and that's just the way I've always been. I've always just been that kind of way where it's like, um, you know, if I work five days a week, that means I got two days I could work and do something else. And I, I have toned that down a little bit as now that I work for myself, uh, in, into just kind of segmenting my day into, okay, I've got three hours for this, I've got two hours for this, I've got two hours for that, I go over here, then I do this, then I do that, da da da, da. Um, But when I, when I was much younger, um, and essentially being somebody who, who's never had uh, a ton of money, I've always been somebody who decided to work um, in a physical aptitude. Um, so, you know, when I was a young guy, it's really easy to become a, a drywall hack, which means, you know, you're the um, you're the low man on the totem pole, which means you get all the most difficult jobs to do because the the guys that have been doing it for 30 years, they don't want to do that. So, you know, you got to go up 20 feet on a ladder and skim coat a 30 degree wall that has peeled from some lady, you know, out in the middle of wherever, you know, <laughs> and do all that kind of stuff. Um, I spent my weekends working at a mechanic shop. It was like family owned. Um, and uh, I'd work construction all the time whenever you could, because there almost always is a construction job that if you're ready and willing, have some tools and going to show up, uh, clear eyed and ready to go. Um, they'll, somebody will pay you. Somebody will pay you to do something 
in, in construction. You can always find that work. Um, you know, same thing with restaurants. If you show up on time and you're ready to work, people will put you to work. So, uh, and I've, I've always just kind of tackled everything that I've done that way. And, you know, I did go to college for stuff, uh, but I found it much more rewarding to actually go learn stuff on the job, on the fly, uh, and figure it out. You know, I was a street sweeper for a long time because um, you work the overnights when you do that. So you work 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., uh, which leaves time to do stuff during the day. Uh, learned a lot doing that. Uh, ended up becoming the fleet, the fleet mechanic, and I thought that would be the way out for me to no longer be a chef anymore at that time. I think it was like 24 or something like that. Uh, but I worked my way up to be the whole fleet mechanic and uh, operator out on the highways and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the, you know, for me, as, as I mentioned before we started the show, I've, I've been sober for uh, like four and a half years now. It, and that kind of stuff has always been the downfall um, because I was a much younger guy and I always tried to find the easier way out to deal with um, my own situation, which is like, you know, why do I have ants in my pants? It's because, oh, I didn't work out today, right? Um, so for me, it's it's th that's just kind of how my life has turned into, I got to figure out how to have 10 jobs and still be a sane person and have all of these interests and things that I want to do. But that's how I got to where I was at. Um, you know, you mentioned that I'm the Bob Vila. I know how to build stuff. Um, it's because I've you know, when I started working construction, you start working demolition, right? So you take it apart. Well, while you take it apart, you start to learn how they put it together. Uh, because if you kind of pay attention while you hit it with a sledgehammer, you can go, okay, that joint's there, that joint's there, that joint's there. Why did they do that? Okay, they framed that. That's where the load is bearing. Okay. And meanwhile, keep working because you don't want to lose your gig while you get to tear apart an old house because it's pretty fun. Uh, and... You know, once you do that for a little bit, you save up a couple bucks and you get a miter saw and then you can go to the hardware store and start figuring out miter cuts and stuff like that. Start to learn how to do it and then go, OK, wait a minute. How do these go together? Oh, OK, I need to I need to throw a three degree tilt on this so that when I do join them up, it doesn't it doesn't blow out the wrong direction. Um, but, you know, that that's ultimately one of the things. I started to do that stuff out of, well, it was a combination of necessity and interest. Uh, it really interests me. Uh, old woodworking and stuff like that really interests me. Um, but I had to start building my own stuff because nobody was making it. Uh, you couldn't even go to a store and be like, well, I need a, I need a thing that does this. You know, I need a, I need a stand that holds 14 tanks on it, you know, and they're like, uh, we got, we have this plot, we have this particle board one over here. And you're like, I don't even know why I asked this question. It has you know, doors. The, yeah. It has doors on it. <laughs> <laughs> like with the question mark at the end. Uh, so I, I basically just started building stuff out of, out of not only interest, but also necessity is that like, for, they don't even make this. So what's if I don't if I don't make it, it'll never get made. What's the what's like the most nerve wracking project you've made you you've undertaken in the in the tropical fish space, um, or what is something that you haven't like you you're like you know what I'm I'm not even gonna touch that with a ten foot pole. Um, I will. 
I realistically don't have an answer for that right now. I have to think about it for a second. Ooh, you know what? Um, I wouldn't do a giant reef tank. Mm. Um, I recently was watching a documentary on, uh, what's his name? Bill Wan. Who I... built it? He built his house. Hold on, let me let me make sure I'm saying the right name here. Hold on, let me look it up. Let me Joel look it up. Is typing, yeah. typing, typing. It's Bill Wan with two N's, so you can actually look it up. Uh, he built his whole house around his reef. He's a super rich, like eccentric, kind of very strange guy. Um, like he built the machine that built his skimmer because his skimmer was so big, they didn't make one. So he made the machine that would make his skimmer, right? Hmm. Um, he's got, it's a 20,000 gallon reef that the house is built around. Wow. So they essentially built the reef first and then did everything around it to build this giant mansion. He's a super rich guy. So it's, it's not really in the scope that I ever do, but I would never do a reef this big because this is something that requires every and I can't say every minute of your attention, but it is something that requires 24-hour care, but for, all of the time. So, but I for, would, I for a standard, for a standard or even an advanced aquarist, you know, that's not like a, a multi-millionaire though. But you feel like uh, you've pretty much conquered, you know, any project that you've said, you know, hey, I want to make that. Uh, you've pretty much tackled it, then, yeah. Um, to a degree. Uh, I, I certainly do not feel like I'm done. Uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, I got back from Interzoo and realized like, oh man, I got to get to work. Uh, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing because ultimately the sky's the limit. Um, but ha having said, I would never do a 20,000 gallon reef. I will do, I'm making a statement here that I will do a 20,000 gallon planted freshwater tank. Like, I will do that at some point in time. It's not tomorrow. I mean, if I had it out back right now, I'd be like, hey, drive down here and come look at it. Um, what are those but, dimensions? Can you can you give me, like, what what would be a $20,000 or 20,000-gallon dimension? 20,000-gallon uh, is 8.5 feet tall, 7.5 feet wide, and 20... I don't want to get that wrong. I think it's 22. It's either 22 feet long or 44 feet long. I'm not sure. So it's basically one of those tanks where, like, you have to convert half of your basement space to an actual. It's big, you think how big a twenty thousand gallon aquarium is is a full size uh, shipping container. Oh. So if you see a uh, if you yeah, see a yeah. semi driving down the road, um, yeah, it's forty foot. That's wow. what it is. Forty foot long. Um, that's that that will hold to the brim twenty six thousand gallons. But you'd call it a twenty thousand because you're not gonna fill it right up to the top like a weirdo. Uh, <laughs> but that? that that would give you a gauge of the size of, of that aquarium. Um, the plan, the long term plan someday is to do something in the realm of a two hundred to three hundred thousand gallon pond that has some way to interact with it. I haven't quite figured out exactly how um, how that interaction would go or what it would look like, but that's the, that's the long-term goal. And, and, you know, a, a while back I was down looking at, um, I was looking at a 170,000 gallon, uh, pond and I, I was like, you know what? I thought it was 150,000 gallons was the number, but having looked at that pond, I was like, 
<sighs> it's gonna have to be bigger than that. Okay, fine. <laughs> so you've got, I mean, you've got big, big plans, man. And if ever there was a reason for somebody to uh, to want to subscribe to to a YouTube channel, I mean, Joel, I think you've laid out um, because I would have to imagine that you're gonna catalog this adventure um, for for people, right, for posterity's sake. Um, and that, right. I mean, that's gonna be something that's just gonna be wild to to see. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I do my best to document it. I'm, I'm certainly not the best out there. Um, so uh, obviously my video making skills and uh, videography and camera work and all that stuff has a long way to go. Um, and that's something that I'm, I'm working on every single day to try and get better and better at. Um, and, and for me, I kind of, one of the reasons I love doing YouTube is that I'm, I'm able to like go and look back and go, all right, I can see the progress. I can see the progress from something that's non-tangible like video, you know, is that it sort of just exists in the ethos, you know what I mean? It's sort of just floating around. Like, once it's digital, it just, it has no home. It's not, you know, you never harvest it for food or anything like that. So um, it, it is one of the really cool things I feel is that to be able to look at it and go back and look at the progress and just go like, okay, wow. All right. We're headed in the right direction. And, you know, one of the cool ways to look at that was, um, you know, is that like there are analytics in YouTube where it's like, you can look at how many comments, like how many unique people you are reaching and stuff like that. And it goes up every month, which means, okay, we've got new people getting excited about learning about things that I think are important. I, I think that learning about the environment, learning about ecology, learning about ecosystems, learning about um, the things that surround us, I don't think we get necessarily enough of that in America. There might be a country out there that does. I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. I do live in America, so I do have to stay in my perspective and just kind of go like, I'm really reaching people, and that is good. At least people are, are have questions, they're asking questions, they're um, starting to communicate with each other about it. Uh, my whole goal, and one of the reasons I work with Corey from Aquarium Co-op, is our goal is to build the community as big as we can, to whatever the degree is. Um, you know, one of the things I've started introducing is, is the gardening vlog. Um, Vicky and I are pretty avid gardeners. Uh, we have we have no illusions that 100% of our food will ever come uh, from our land, but that is one of our long-term goals. Also, uh, is and right now we're, I, I feel like we're potentially helping some people start to figure out that if you do have a quarter acre and you live in kind of suburbia and whatnot, like oh wait a minute, with not too much work, I could really be, you know, maybe 20% of my food comes from outside the back door. Uh, you know, we have chickens here, you know, I live in Tacoma mm -hmm. and we have chickens here, which we use, uh, we eat their eggs and stuff like that. And, and uh, it really is something that a lot of people could be doing. And that's one of the things that we're working on too. Yeah. You and I, we're in the same boat. We have, uh, we've got four chickens. We were down to two, but my wife's coworker moved to Colorado. So we inherited her two Amer Americana chickens. So that's going to be the, yeah. the Easter egg chickens. We got some Easter uh, eggs, some yeah. blues and greens. Yeah. So, uh, one, uh, one black Jersey giant, one black Australop. Those are our two remaining girls from six. Um, 
So, you know, it, it, it's tough when you lose chickens. People probably think that we're crazy mm-hmm. and we're completely digressing off tropical fish. Uh, but we have that in common. And right now, uh, our garden is rocking and rolling. We're, we're kicking ass, with, or, but with uh, kale and lettuce. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we probably won't need to go and buy well, lettuce for the rest of the season. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, it's one of those things that um, th- th- I'm finding that one of the big parallels is this, is that, uh, as we talked about hydroponics for just a second earlier, but hydroponics aren't necessarily useful to most people, but aquaponics really are. And that's bringing the garden and the fish tanks together. And it's really exposing people to, wait a minute, now here's a symbiotic environment that I can, you know, I don't have, that they don't have to put in, you know, um, wild amounts of effort for a lot of return. Uh, whether it be, you know, you're harvesting the fish at the end of the year, you're harvesting vegetables and fruits and things throughout the whole throughout the whole year. So that's one of the great things about an aquaponic system is that you can set it up within a greenhouse and stuff and operate it all year round. Uh, I think that the aquaponics is going to be the big bridge between all of the sort of thought process that people are having that like, well, I get it. I get the fish tanks are kind of cool to look at or whatever, but it's not really utilitarian at all. Uh, but once you bring in aquaponics into the side of into the side of it, somebody that lives in an apartment could really easily start producing their own food with the aquaponics system. And while they still have to live in an apartment, they could still be in charge of some of the food that they're consuming. So I recently looked on uh, Amazon and there's a good number of like the the two to five gallon little aquaponic systems. I mean, what's your, uh, given you've done enough, a a good amount of work in this space, what's your thought on that? Do you think that's a good first step for somebody or do you think there's, they're not really set up for what they need to do and they're, if anything, they're just going to push people out of the hobby or out of that uh, interest. I feel like a two to five gallon is, beneficial like you said for people to kind of step in and kind of learn something and you know i I don't think anybody could set up a two to five gallon system and go i'm gonna grow all the food i ever need forever like that's just kind of ridiculous but if you can grow like some fresh basil that you're that you're picking every morning or um you know some chives or tarragon or something like that in your kitchen and experience something like a like a betta fish uh on top of that, mm-hmm. of the care and taking care of it and, and learning that plants are cleaning the water for the fish, you feed the fish, the fish is actually feeding the plants, and it's a cycle like that going very well. So I, I don't necessarily think that those systems have any other use other than that as a right. teaching thing. But, but they're not like uh, the, they're not like the chia pet, though, of the aquaculture world, right? Like, they're not just total throw-it-away garbage. Like, it's actually, like, legitimately, you know, understanding that it's going to be for, like, one or two herbs know its role in the grand scheme of mm-hmm. things. But, yeah, it is a good first foray, if you will, for somebody to, you know, dip their toe, for lack of a better uh, phrase, into aquaponics. Right. Right. It would be it would be a lot to ask anybody to walk in and go, hey, you need a double uh, you need a double 500 gallon tank set up down here. Uh, we got to get engineers out here to check your deck to make sure that it's going to work properly. Blah, 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 blah. All that kind of it's way too much. Yeah, it's way too much for anybody yeah. to just dive right in and spend 10 grand, too. Uh, and, you know, especially if you talk to somebody like, oh, you're going to spend 10 grand. What are you going to get out of it? And they're like, lettuce. 
<laughs> you know, most um, expensive lettuce you will ever yeah. buy right there. <laughs> exactly. You know, so that would never be a great step for anybody to walk in, but something on a, on a pretty minimal, ex- minimal expense, uh, you know, the investment is, is not significant and the return is much higher. So you do get diminished returns from the, the big crazy aquaponic systems and stuff like that, unless you have a market to be selling it in. You know? Yeah. You can only eat so much lettuce, right? That's right. That's well, Joe, right. I mean, honestly, that sounds like uh, that sounds like I need to have you on in a couple months to, just to talk about aquaponics and the work you've done in that space. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Aquarius podcast, man. Uh, I yeah. want to give you, um, again, the listeners out there, Corvus Oskin, your YouTube channel, uh, Dark Star Arts. Um, I believe that's available on uh, Amazon.com. Like, how do people get a hold of you for the commissioning? Uh, darkstararts.com. You can email me, Joel, at darkstararts.com. Okay, so I'll make sure we connect um, once we're done recording, but I want to make sure that I've got all of your um, kind of avenues for people to get into contact with you mm-hmm. and make sure that they're following you and just, you know, all of the, the vast knowledge that you've kind of dropped in this, in this hour long conversation has been super informative. Um, but at the same time, like I want listeners to know that you have like roughly how many episodes do you have posted online right now? Um, I wouldn't, Hmm. Pushing up. Hold, hold on a second. I can I can give you an accurate answer. I wouldn't want to say the wrong number and then somebody point it out. 774. So 774 episodes of more, uh, majority is going to be fish related stuff, yeah? Almost everything is yeah. fish related. Some of it's art. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's gardening, some of it's stuff like that. Uh, but it is all tied back to mm-hmm. mostly fish keeping and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, they have titles on them, yeah. so you can figure it out. Yeah, and if, so if there's something like breeding, propagating, DIY, something related like that, if, if Joel doesn't have it already, um, I would say message him and say, hey, man, this is what you're missing from your from your collection. Could you could you please make a video <laughs> on this? Um, and, and you're shooting in like 8K ultra high def or something like that? Like you're shooting in crazy high definition video for, for your, your channel, yeah? I'm not shooting in 8K. I will someday. <laughs> uh, I don't have a red. Um, I just made that I, number up. Is 8K a thing right now? 8K is a thing. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, but I mean, whatever you're shooting in, it, it looks like crystal clear. Um, so, you know, go, go check out your channel. Look, um, I mean, just super insightful, a lot, a lot of really good information and great content on there. Um, and Joel has, you know, a decade of experience of, uh, let, you know, leverage the fact that he has the mindset to want to experiment, uh, leverage that, right. And just take the bits of goodness that Joel's basically condensed down, save the money, subscribe to his channel and, and just glean the knowledge that Joel has, um, has already put out there for you. So, um, that's going to be my huge plug and huge shout out to you. Um, and also, and also checking you out on real fish talk, um, every Tuesday, every tuesday yeah mm-hmm. so again three, it, three o'clock it's not time relevant but tomorrow's episode with gary lang is going to be pretty awesome and then i get to see gary lang in person at the uh greater seattle aquarium society and hopefully mm-hmm. i get a chance to win some some eggs so again my my plug to get out there and join your local fish club um a lot of great things going on between speakers and auctions and if you don't have a fish club in your area then start one Mm-hmm. So, Joel, thank you very much for uh, joining me this evening on the Aquarius Podcast. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And, uh, you know, if, if our paths cross, hopefully you'll let me buy you lunch sometime. We are kind of in the same general, you know, Puget Sound area. So I, I'd love to, to catch up, meet up with you in person, man. 
That's right. I'll be driving by your house tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> Just lurking, driving by real slow. Like, uh, thank you very much for having me on. I, I, I 100% appreciate it. Great talking. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely be talking soon. Thank you again for listening to the Aquarius Podcast. As always, get involved in your local fish club, help grow this wonderful hobby, and have fun with other fish nerds.